Hi there, and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. Thank you to everybody that voted in my little Twitter poll uh, last week. Uh, in accordance with your wishes, we will be carrying on with the history of Jane's life in this week's episode. So, the last time we left Jane, she had just spent five not-so-happy years in in Bath. Um, She has not been doing an awful lot of writing, and her father has died. So it's just her, her sister, and her mother. And they are facing financial difficulties and housing difficulties as well. Bath has become far too expensive for the family to live in now, especially without the father's income. So what I can only assume was happy news to Jane, uh, they had to leave Bath. But unfortunately, they didn't really have anywhere else to go. Uh, Steventon, the home that they had lived in before Bath, was now owned by James Austin, the first son. He was um, a practising clergyman there with his family. So they couldn't go back to that home. And there wasn't an awful lot of other options available to them. At first, they moved to Clifton in in Bristol, um, but that was only for a, a short, short time. And it wasn't really a viable option in the long term. And as well as this, to make matters just that tiny bit more difficult, um, the Austin ladies had been joined by a family friend, Martha Lloyd, whose mother had died. She was unmarried, and so Mrs Austin took her in. So now they have four people that they need to rehome. It all turns out well for Martha Lloyd in the end. She ended up becoming Mrs Frances Austin, um, after his wife dies, um, and this is actually after Jane dies as well. But back to our our main story today. Um, Once again, this is a really difficult time for Jane. She's moving around a lot and she's not certain of of really anything. Um, And actually, it's during this time, between moving from Bath and moving uh, to Chawton, which we will look at next week, um, we almost lost Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, Jane had a writing desk, a, a portable writing desk, um, and it had all of her manuscripts in. And at one point while they were moving, it was put onto the wrong carriage and nearly ended up at the ports, ready to go over to France. Luckily, they caught it in time and the manuscript and the writing desks were returned to her. Uh, But yeah, we we nearly lost them because of um, luggage handling issues. (laughs) So, the ladies don't stay in Clifton for very long and after they leave Bristol, they sort of embark upon a, a family tour, as it were, Uh, through Kent and Hampshire and they stay with loads of different family members uh, who can put them up for short periods of time but again this isn't something that is going to work in the long term so they needed to come up with a stable place to live. Mrs Austin tries very very hard she even goes back to Bath to try and find long-term accommodation Um, but it doesn't work and then the ladies are presented with the possible opportunity 
one of Mrs. Austin's family, the Lees, if you remember, um, very, very rich, very successful, and they had a lot of property. And one of Mrs. Austin's relatives had recently come in to possession of some of that property. And he suggested that Mrs. Austin, uh, the two Austin girls, accompany him uh, when he goes to inspect the property. Um, and he sort of gives them this idea that he might be able to let them live there as well. Unfortunately, this doesn't go to plan. And the ladies can't stay in this Lee family home. So they are still without proper accommodation. So things are looking a bit dire. Enter Francis Austin. Now, Francis was the sixth of the Austin children. He was the one that was born just before Jane. And when he was a young boy, he decided that he was going to join the Navy. And he did. And so he'd spent a lot of time sailing around the world um, and helping to fight um, in, in the British Navy. He would take a very active role in the War of 1812 in the States that would happen um, later on. But Francis had come back from sea and he was awaiting a new Navy posting. He was by now a captain. Uh, and so he took a house in Southampton in Castle Square so that he was very close to his Naval Regiment and he could keep up with any news and everything like that. Uh, he lived in Castle Square with his wife and his children um, and he had a lot of children. I think he and his wife had about 11 children before she passed away uh, during childbirth with the last one. And Francis very kindly said that the ladies could live with him and his wife. So Mrs. Austin, Jane, Cassandra and Martha Lloyd, they all pack up their stuff and they move into Castle Square with Francis's family. Now this was a very kind offer from Francis, but again, it wasn't a really sustainable idea in the long term. As you can imagine, with just under 11 children at this point, the house is very, very busy and it's not really sustainable to have four extra people in the house it helps with childcare and stuff but the food bills must have been massive can you imagine so the austin ladies were still looking for a place where they would be able to settle down hopefully for the rest of their lives and eventually they did find this forever home in a little cottage in chawton um you may be familiar with the Chawton house that they stayed in. Um, it is now home to the Jane Austen uh, Museum, uh, a wonderful museum full of, of brilliant exhibitions about Jane and her life. And you can go and see a lot of her artifacts as well. So I do recommend you go and visit there. Don't worry, I'm not being paid to say that. I, I really do just recommend you go. It is, it is a wonderful, wonderful museum. We are going to talk about Jane's life at Chawton next week um, but this week I thought I would let you know how they came to live in Chawton and to do that we have to go back quite a few years. Now this concerns Edward Austin, he was the third Austin son and 
as was quite often at the time, and you'll see it actually paralleled in Mansfield Park with Fanny Pry, there were some wealthy relatives of the Austins called the Knights, and they decided that they would help the Austins out by adopting one of their children as their own. They didn't have any children of their own. He would become their heir, and he would get the opportunities that the Austins probably couldn't afford to give their all of their children. And they decided that they liked Edward the best, so he was the lucky one that went with them. And he lived with them in Kent, and he became very wealthy, very well-to-do. And he started his own family, and he lived in Kent in, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I'm sure, but I think you pronounce it Godmersham. Um, it's a very lovely house um, and he had a lot of assets, I suppose you could call them. When his adoptive parents died, he inherited Chawton House. This was a very big house, it was a big estate and it had a little cottage on the outskirts and this is the cottage that he would eventually offer to Mrs Austin and his sisters. Now, Edward had been in possession of Chawton House and its surrounding properties for quite a while um, before he offered it to his brother and his sisters. We don't know exactly why it took him so long to offer it, actually. Um, a lot of people will try and tell you uh, that it was because his wife died. They will tell you that she was rather like Fanny Dashwood in Sense and Sensibility, and she was manipulating her husband into not helping the rest of his family. This is categorically untrue. I mean, Edward was a very wealthy man, and his wife wouldn't have had that kind of sway over him. And this isn't a very likely scenario. What it is, though, is a common problem that people have with looking at Jane's life. I did mention it before in the episode of Unbecoming Jane. And it's this idea that everybody's trying to find parallels to her novels in her life. It's like the Doctor says, um, humans are always trying to find patterns in things that aren't there. And that is what they're doing. They are trying to claim that Jane's life inspired her works. And it did in a lot of circumstances. A lot of the people that she met would become characters in her stories. But... Really, by suggesting that all she did was copy and paste her life into her stories is really disrespectful to her intelligence and to her talent. You know, they say write what you know, and of course Jane did, but writers are creative people, they make things up. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as their life and exactly what they've been through. I mean, I am pretty sure that J.K. Rowling has never been an 11-year-old boy with magical powers that lived in a cupboard under the stairs. So saying that Jane just retold her own life story and changed the names is really saying that she wasn't creative at all, which is really unfair. In truth, it was probably something absolutely stupid, like um, he moved to... Chawton, when his house at 
God mission was being redecorated and he probably thought, oh right, hang on, there's a cottage here. Maybe I could give that to my parents. I'd forgotten about that, but better late than never. I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's probably a more likely scenario than his wife scheming and trying to make sure that Mrs. Austin and Jane and Cassandra lived in poverty and destitution. Whatever the reason, Edward finally does give this cottage to Mrs. Austin and his sisters and Martha Lloyd as well and they move in in 1808 and that is where we are going to join Jane next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you're enjoying these. Uh, please like and review and let me know what you think of the podcast and all that sort of stuff. And as ever, happy reading your faithful servant, the author. <laughs>